I have indeed no abhorrence of danger except in its absolute effect, in terror. Greetings, Poe fans. We are excited to bring you another episode of The Six Degrees, Degrees of Edgar Allan Poe. We are the Potastic Two. My name is Carmen Bolden. And I'm Jeannie Smith. And we are going to talk about horror this evening. Oh, all the good stuff. The scares. The wonderful, wonderful world of being scared. Ah! Yes, don't do that to me. Sorry, no. sorry, sorry. All I'm right. fragile. So, Jeannie. Yes. What is the definition of horror? I am so glad you asked, Carmen. The definition is the intense feeling of fear, shock, or disgust. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. I mean, that could incorporate in so many different ways and so many different things. But truly, if you think about it, it's either something you see, you smell, you taste, you hear, or you touch. So it incorporates all five senses. And in some people, the sixth sense, too. I would agree with that. Yeah, it has to touch, I think, at least one sense of who you are to create that horrible feeling. You know, and I hadn't really thought about that until you just kind of put it in that perspective, but it really makes sense. And that's no probably why it's, yeah, <laughs> it it really, it kind of, like many other genres of, you know, variabilities don't have that. No, not all don't. of the senses. I mean, because you touch think the about senses. it, yeah. I mean, television, movies, books, they each touch upon different senses yes very rarely do you get all the senses in one point yes in the genre so but writing writing would definitely what you read hits more than anything else in my opinion yeah i would agree and speaking of reading um one of the books that uh, i did for research and not for just for this episode but mm-hmm. for other episodes further down the ro- further down the road is The Price of Fear, and by, this was by Joel Eisner, and one of the things that Vincent Price, probably the oh, Prince of Terror, mm-hmm. I, I don't uh, you know. Prince all, of Darkness, I yes. think is what he was, his moniker when he was in yes. movies and, and stuff. Yes, he, and he's one of the main ones, and if you have not watched anything Vincent Price, you need to go quickly and do that because he's amazing absolutely and i mean if anybody doesn't know who vincent price is you have to know who michael jackson is yes so if you want to know who vincent price is go watch the video the thriller yes by michael jackson and there you will find the man the myth the legend of vincent price and that is a pop culture reference too. Yep, yep, it is. <laughs> All right. So, from what Vincent Price said, I believe that horror films must be logical. You must be able to believe some part of it, not all of it, but you must be able to believe it could happen. Otherwise, it is not frightening. Oh, and I think those are powerful words. And you know, because sometimes I've heard some people say that they don't want to watch fiction, you know, mm. TV shows, movies or whatever. It's like it's not believable. But many things are, you know, stem from true stories. Yeah. And that's one of the things that a lot of uh, directors, producers, writers have come to find 
is the more believable you can make it, the more it touches upon the person's senses. And scarier it that is. sixth sense, because that's the one thing we all know that not everybody feels it. Right. But some people do believe mm-hmm. that there is something else out there. Right. And just like Shakespeare said, you know, Mercutio, there are more things, you know, between heaven and earth than what we, you know, we know. And I'm paraphrasing, exactly. by the way. Oh, yeah. I cannot remember the exact quote, but it's Shakespeare. Exactly. And that's what the definition, like Vince Price said, horror is making it as believable as possible. That's why when I watch what some people think are horror films, mm-hmm. they become comedy for me because I just laugh. Right. <sighs> and and kind of like what we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier this evening when we were um, kind of outlining the episode is that, you know, true horror is that unseen, that the, the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. that lurks in the background and then you don't see it at all or maybe at the very end. But then that subgenre of the slasher flicks and things like that came out of horror yes. in the late 70s, really. I mean, there's yeah. some before that, but when it really spiked. Yeah, because it was that genre that came about to where you're like, really? Uh, it's just like it was a cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Like most things, when they jump on the bandwagon of a theme, right? it's like it has to go and go until apparently they've beat you to death with it. Mm-hmm. But the first person and the true horror that we could probably think of in mm-hmm. historical aspect of writing is the wonderful writer Miss Mary Shelley. Yes, and I think we, we have actually mentioned her mm-hmm. before when we were talking about science fiction, but she is the queen. Yes, I mean, she she put upon this genre. I, I can't think of any other word right now. Sorry, I'm saying it, the same thing. Yeah. But in literature. Yes. She took a dare because she was married to Lord Byron Shelley. Literally a dare. Yeah, and they were sitting around with supper, you know, who else was it? It was uh, Lord Byron. Yes. Um and then there was like two or three other males. They were yes. all sitting around at home one night mm-hmm. and they all came up with a dare to each other of who could write the worst scary story. Yes. And Mary Shelley said, "I'm in on this." Mm-hmm. You know. She may not have said it exactly those words because they used mostly real language not the slang but she made it happen and she wrote the wonderful story of frankenstein which she actually called it prometheus at first because she kind of you know alluded to the mythological titan prometheus um, that he was real but he wasn't real and then she created frankenstein in 1818 on january the 1st when it was published And she became known as a horror writer. Yes. Because even though you put together this book, and she put together the book kind of like she put together Frankenstein. Yes. Because you (laughs) never really saw or even came across who he truly was until the very end because it was always just an illusion of this deranged psychopath doctor Mm -hmm. who was trying to build a person. And that at that time was so out there. But if you think about it, we are looking in times of when Frankenstein is kind of real today. I agree. Yes. I mean, organ donors. Um, there was just recently, I was telling Carmen earlier about the article of where they transplanted a pig's heart into a human man. And 
he was doing very successful and he actually lived i think it was six to seven weeks and the heart That's, didn't that sew. is unreal yeah and i mean that in itself is like oh wait so frankenstein in the early 1800s was just this mass you know what do you call it fantasy yes yeah and now it's not so much a fantasy it's science yes but she she won the dare <laughs> Yes, and, and, and I was looking this up while you were giving this history, mm-hmm. and it was uh, her her lover, Percy Bysshe Shelley, mm-hmm. um, her stepsister, Claire Claremont, and also Lord Byron, and that yes. they went to Geneva, and yes. that's where that came about. Yeah, and that was a thing. And what, the other thing with Mary Shelley is she refused to have it published under a man's name. Yes, she said, I wrote this, I'm a woman, and it's going to be published under my name if it gets published, and it was. Yes. And she was, in my opinion, she was the first step for feminism. Yeah, I mean, really and truly. And at that time, with mm-hmm. all the, the power authors of that oh, yes. of that age, that was a big step for her, and I think it's amazing that the book took as well as it did. Yeah, and I think it helped because her lover, Lord Percy... I mean, mm-hmm. he was a lord too. I think, I think lord, so. Yeah, Lord Byron, so. and Lord Percy, um, all the lords. It, yeah, it helped because the lords of, of literature of his affluence. We yes. might as well say, yeah, that, that helped it along too. Oh, absolutely. But still, and Byron too. Yeah, and she refused. Refused. She said, "Nope, you're going to publish it under my name. Mm-hmm. No mail, no abbreviations, nothing. It's going to be mine and mine alone." And so it was to me the true stepping stone of building that horror. Because it was not a known thing. Because science was still getting off the ground. Exactly. You know, we didn't have what we have now with all of the wonderful ERs and no <laughs> everything. And, and just like kind of we were talking about earlier, Poe would have been nine years old when that was published. Yes. So I could totally see him reading that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would make perfect sense if he had. Mm-hmm. Because that would be right up his wheelhouse. Absolutely. And then not very long after that, in 1832, he published his first horror story, and the title is Metzengerstein. And I'm not going to give too much away. It is a very well-written story. It's a short story. Um, It involves a horse Mm -hmm. and some family feuding, a little fire. Of course, you got to bring fire into it. and, And... madness and that's all i'm gonna say i but think it's that can describe good. every bit of edgar Allan poe's stories right there Bump. yes yes uh, just say madness hey it's edgar Allan poe yes <laughs> uh, yeah and it sounds a lot like another story that comes along a little later from a, another guy that you know all i'm gonna say is the character ichabod crane yes and so you got to say, oh, I wonder where he come up with that idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, po. Hello, Poe. There's some, there, there are some, a few similarities here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing. That's what, like, that was our first thought when we were talking about it. Yeah. And like we always said that one of the greatest uh, accolades is imitation of your art. Absolutely. Imitation of who and where and what. So, but yes, uh, the Raven, as we talked about earlier, was only was the only poem I guess that we could say that kind of fit with the horror definition. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the rest of his short stories that we brought up 
in a timeline, like we said, the uh, the Metzinger, which I think Metzingerstein, and just uh, I looked this up. So the Legend of Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. by Washington Irving, published in eighteen twenty. So Poe may have done a little bit of had a little inspiration from Mr. Irving. Yeah, because, I mean, that works. It's like right there in oh, yeah, between. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, But the stories are definitely a different enough that they're, it's not plagiarism. <laughs> no. But, you know, imitation. Yes. When you, when you got something that works, you go with it. That theme, that genre, all that wonderful literature. Exactly. And I think, Jeannie, what was the first of Poe's stories, like with the big ones? Because like, some of these are not as well known. Um, you need to read them, though. I'm in the middle of reading all of his short stories. Um, I started last year, and my goal was to finish this year. And I'm probably a little over halfway through. Well, from the listing that we've got here after Metzingerstein, which I think it's kind of funny, it's close to Frankenstein. Yes. Um, <laughs> we have in 1834 was as, as Assignation. The Assignation, yes. The Assignation. And then 1835, there was three. We had Bernice, Morella, and then Shadow of a Parable. Yes. And those were all in that same year. And then after that, you had William Wilson. Wilson. Mm-hmm. And then you had, of course, the House of Usher. Yes, Fall of the House of Usher. Yes. And that was, looks like that's all the ones that were, took place in the 1830s. Okay. And and Ligia, or I'm sorry, Morella and Berenice mm-hmm. and Fall of the House of Usher are some of the big ones. Yes, and then the rest of them are pretty much all early 40s. Okay. We have The Black Cat, of course, in 43. We have Premature Burial, 44. We can only assume what that's about. Yes. Oblong (laughs) Box, which I think is kind of funny, is also 44. Yes. Maybe we know what's going on there, too. Yes. Um, Boxes, cats. Yes. Input Perverse. Imp of the Perverse. Imp of the Perverse. Can't read my own writing, sorry. That's okay. The Hop Frog was his last one, and that was 1849. Yes, A Tale of Revenge. Yes, and then, of course, we can't leave out The Cask of Amontillado. Yes, one of my favorites. Mask of the Red Death. uh, The Pit and the Pendulum. Oval Portrait, which, by the way, sounds a lot like something else I've heard of. What was that? Oh, yeah, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Yes, Uh, love that book, too. So and and that's Oscar Wilde. Yeah, if you didn't know. Yeah, good guy too. Yes. Uh, but yeah, and then Telltale Heart in eighteen forty three. Okay. So all those were like forties and the thirties. It was like a lot of the little short stories that I don't think a lot of people have read. No, I mean again, you know, in high school, middle school, mm-hmm. high school, junior high, whichever you know you went to, you know, as a kid. Certain ones are chosen for that's great those grade levels, and that's what a lot of people read. Um, yes. What I found very interesting um, this particular week, and just so you guys know, um, I changed school systems, and so I'm now teaching uh, freshman honors at a high school, and so we're getting them ready for their testing coming mm-hmm. up, and working on writing, and we read the Raven and uh, another short or a poem, I should say, um, The Creation of Sam McGee. Oh, yeah, I love that one. Uh, by Robert Service, and it's a comparison piece. But anyway, I asked the students, you know, how many of you have read The Raven? Very few had. 
had. Some read it sixth grade, some read it eighth grade, and then a couple of them said, I read it for funsies because I love Poe. And I, that, that melted my heart. Oh, yeah. It's great that you can still have those that are dedicated to literature and reading yes. it. Even though social media kind of has taken the long and the and the arduous of reading and mm-hmm. interpretation and just cut it down to the nitty gritty. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but I do like that they're turning a lot of older pieces of classic literature into the graphic novels to yes. try to draw in the younger crowd. Yes. And it's that stimulus. It's that thing because in today's society, a lot of people are used to not only just reading something, but mm-hmm. they're li- listening interacting mm-hmm. and so they need that that stimulus for a say i agree and and i also like to just because you know, i'm a tv person mm-hmm. netflix is coming out with that series called the the fall of house the fall of the house of usher right and i don't know that they've released the date no, yet, I haven't seen it. but that's exciting because i think a lot of young people adults everybody will probably watch that yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, because most people don't have time to sit and read. Exactly. Um, and even listening to a book on tape sometimes mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't give you enough time. No, you're right. So just getting to the nitty gritty is where it falls. And that's like with Poe and the horror, like the Telltale Heart. The Telltale mm-hmm. Heart, to me, fits the definition of horror so much. Because yes. it's the illusion of hearing something, but mm-hmm. you never see it. Yes. You just are going off of a man's madness because his senses are not getting it. Exactly. Like, well, and minute. what's kind of interesting, too, because you, you mentioned the sound of mm-hmm. the heart. But before that, it was the visual of the eye. Yep. And that's what drove him mad to, to kill him. Yeah. And that's we were talking earlier about how some people that are classifying horror movies they're not, in our opinion, mm-hmm. actual classic horror because the definition of horror, it needs to have that disgust factor, that shock factor, that right. fear. And most of the great ones have where you don't really see the protagonist. Exactly. You just, it's just a buildup. Like right. Jaws. We were talking about Jaws yes, earlier. Yes, 1975. You mm-hmm. don't see the actual whole shark until the very end of the movie. Yeah. It's it's very close to the end and you've got this unknown figure of you know you see the fin, you mm-hmm. hear the music and that that is if the music wasn't there you would not have the horror. No, and your mind is building that fear yes. based on what you've been told, what has, you know, cuz sharks we've all been told evidence <laughs> sharks are not our friends, you know. Right. They like to chew off pieces of people. Mm-hmm. Um so they went off of that own mind that you have created of that fear exactly and then the disgust of what would happen if you were attacked mm-hmm. and then the shock value of oh that can't be happening to me yes and then this ties very closely um to 1897 with bram mm-hmm. stoker and writing dracula, dracula. and yes. if if you haven't read the book you need to, and I had seen many variations of the movie. You know, Bella Lugosi uh, in oh, the original. It's one. It's my favorite version. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah. you know, Gary Oldman's Keanu Reeves version. It's it's good too. Yeah, that would be. I I tie in the Bella Lugosi and the Keanu Reeves one. They're kind of tied for me. Yeah. Um, 
well, I'm I'm definitely a Keanu Reeves fan, mm-hmm. but I'm also a fan of Bella Lugosi. Yes. And but they the one thing that I loved most about Bram Stoker's book is it was written in a diary type mentality. Yes. Yes. And so that was something different. Mm-hmm. And so he hit upon that because if you can uh, put yourself in that empathetic and that sympathetic mm-hmm. wave of who you're reading and you become that person, right? then you're adding more to the factor and creating more of a fear and entering yes. in the horror. Yes, and so when I read the book, I I was kind of taken aback because I had this anticipation of what it was going to be, mm-hmm. and it was very different in a very good way, and I don't want to give too much away if you have right. not read yeah. it, but it it has a huge scare factor in that unknown terror and that's all i'm gonna say yeah and that's one of the things i mean the fear of the unknown is the top most factor for all of us Mm -hmm. when it comes to what we fear in this world and so like with bram stoker they you know we always say that uh bram stoker used the uh vlad the impaler Mm -hmm. as his History base, yeah. Yeah, his model or his illusion in the creation of Dracula Mm -hmm. because Vlad the Impaler was a true man in the history Mm -hmm. that he would strike fear into his enemies by impaling the heads of his enemies on his gate. Right. But what was truly that, you know, they never really proved this, but Mm -hmm. it was like one of those legends is that before he cut off their head, he would drain their bodies of all their blood Mm -hmm. and then he would bathe in it and drink it. Yes. Make himself stronger and to make himself more feared. Exactly. And so that goes right along with the definition of horror. You know, the fear, the disgust, because just the thought of someone drinking someone's blood is disgusting. Yes, it is. It's very disgusting. And the shock value of how can someone do that? I mean, cannibalism. Yeah. You know, we all, we don't think of that in modern society as being real, but in some aspects of the world today, there are still cannibal tribes. Yes, absolutely. And so it's, it's one of those things that it just all plays together, but the true horror has to be built up in your own mind to reach your own fear, your own shock value, and your own disgust level. In your own imagination of yes. of the whatever dream you're thinking of. Yeah, the creation of that horror in your mind of mm-hmm. who the protagonist is. Yes. Because yes. most of the time, the creation of the protagonist in your own mind is more fearful mm-hmm. than someone creating it for you i agree and you know poe influenced multiple people yes. in this genre this is the, probably the what he's most known for mm-hmm. in with the mainstream yeah. and you know he influenced stephen king he influenced hp oh, yes. lovecraft um, and probably, Hitchcock. yeah, Alfred Hitchcock and, you know, Vincent Price, Roger Corman, who directed all of the Poe movies that right. Vincent Price was in. And, you know, even probably Bram Stoker as well. Yes, because was, his was posted in 1897, mm-hmm. May 25th. Yes. So almost, uh, what, 80 years after well, eight, Frankenstein? Frankenstein. Yes. 1818 to 1897. Yeah. And then so. from like, you know, it, looking at when Poe died in 1849. Mm-hmm. So you've got... Roughly about 40 years yeah. Yeah. between that time. So there has to be some ways because he couldn't just... I mean, he could. Right. But more than likely, the um, epitome of 
creating something is always taking something that's touched you mm-hmm. and then creating it with something of your own. Exactly. And to me, Bram Stoker did that mm-hmm. by writing in a diary type yes. genre, which is not really done a lot in today's society. We're always used no. to the narrative, the explanatory, the short story, those kinds of things. That's exactly. regular literature. One, one, of, and one of the only books that, and I never did get to finish it, it's a big book, is um, The Book Thief, mm-hmm. you know, written in death's perspective, in kind of in a diary letter like yeah. in a way it's it's loose but that reminds me of that a yeah. little just a little well and then you can go back into a little bit of history and say well if you think about it virgil mm-hmm. dantos and then dante's inferno, inferno. Mm-hmm. and all that that is more that they were trying to draw the reader in as being that person in that perspective yes you know yes. if you can drag a person into the story and make them recreate the story in their own mind then that's the best way you've got them yeah i agree and stephen king i we were talking about this earlier stephen king has to have been a reincarnation in my opinion of edgar Allan poe yes yes because macabre is very much stephen king yes and the the shock value the mystery that the, the true mystery that horror brings out mm-hmm. he does such a very good job um when kind of like when I read Dracula, it was not what I expected. Nope. When I read The Shining, I, I go back to the the episode of Friends when Joey has to put the book into the freezer because he's too scared. Yes, I never had that fear that Joey had. Right, but the there were parts in it that scared me because of that unknown factor. Right, and that's one of the things that Stephen King does so much. Yes, um, like the Tommy Knockers. I mean, that one thing that just hits me even now, it's been a long time since I read the book mm-hmm. or even saw the movie. Yes. But I still have that jingle in my head, Tommy Knockers, Tommy Knockers, knocking at your door. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just goes with that to where it touched that much. And like The Stand, the miniseries of The Stand, mm-hmm. that was very much um, using what a person fears the most mm-hmm. to create the story. Yes. And we were also talking about uh, Pet Cemetery, oh. and I listen to that uh, book. Sometimes I read, uh, like, you know, holding the book in my hand, reading, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I listen to books, and that was one I listened to because Michael C. Hall, the actor who plays Dexter, um, was read a version of it, and I was like, oh, Dexter, mm-hmm. Stephen King, Pet Cemetery, cats, dead cats. I mean, just I, I was like, this is all the the cool things. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, and he did a very good job, by the way. And you know, I think back to you know the Black Cat. Did mm-hmm. S- Stephen King get a little inspiration from that? Yeah, and that's the thing. We can always think about things as true influences but Mm -hmm. sometimes things influence us without even knowing yes yes you know i mean it could have been something that happened to us when we were children yes and we never even remembered it or thought of it until Mm -hmm. boom it's like wait a minute this seems like deja vu yes why do i feel this way and then you're like oh Mm -hmm. now i remember yes so and one of another one is his salem's lot Okay, that's one I have not read. Yeah, it's been a while too, but it's just misery. I cannot even stand. I love the, I love it, but talk about macabre. Yes, <laughs> and talk about old Kathy Bates, she's and it's a great kind of that, actress. It's kind of the that dark 
satire mm-hmm. as well. And Poe did much of that as well. Yeah, and I think that's why Misery gets me so much mm-hmm. when I talk about Edgar Allan Poe is because Edgar Allan Poe was all about psychological. Yes. He was like what he might have been feeling, the psyche. He yes. was bringing it in there. And with Misery, with Stephen King, you can actually think that this could this could happen. In some mm-hmm. ways, it has happened to some people, like serial killers and those kind of things. Uh, yes. I don't want to give the whole story away if you haven't read it. Mm-hmm. But building on what we are ingrained to fear mm-hmm. from childhood till adulthood, some people are fair of spiders. Some people yes. snakes. You know, those are natural fears. Mind sharks. Yeah, and I think it's funny that she always watches Jaws. Um, it's shark therapy. Yeah. Well, that's like with me, it's airplane disasters. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Yes. But I, I get so hung up on airplane disasters and it drives my friends crazy, especially if I'm about to get on an airplane. Yes, I always get it, stuck with it. Trust me, it drives us crazy. <laughs> we have to talk her off the wing. Oh, yes. <laughs> it is It is wild. But those are just some of the things. Yes. It's all psychological. Yes. And mine stems from... Two things. My brother and a friend were babysitting me one night, and I said, you have to tuck me into bed just like mom and dad do. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, got into bed, and they were like, okay, good night. And I'm like, you got to tuck my my feet. And he was like, no, I'm sorry. I'm getting the story wrong. Um, So I was about to go to sleep, and he goes, well, we're going to tuck your feet. And I'm like, why? I don't want my feet feet you know all snug yeah and he said well there's a land shark that lives under your bed and if your feet aren't tucked it's going to eat your feet so till this day my feet tuck i i just automatically do it yeah it's psychological yeah he ingrained that fear in your mind and it was always just it's not something that happened it's just an unknown yes that you've been built and that's just like with me and the airplane disasters um, it's like most of that is due to human error. Which, mm-hmm. By the way, I have a, I have I have trust issues. Um, <laughs> uh, when it you know, and it sounds like Carmen does too because her brother gave her that. Yes, I think my brother gave me my trust issues because mm-hmm. he was always waiting to drive me crazy. Yeah, he was much older than me. He is much older than uh, me. He my yeah. my brothers as well. Yes, yeah, you gotta love to torture those siblings. Absolutely. But Stephen King, and then. I mean, sorry, but you can think Edgar Allan Poe is the psychological horror. Yes. I mean, because he, in Telltale Heart, he just builds it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mosque of, um, you know, Red Death. You don't really see death. No. You can't see death coming. And that's one of the unknowns. Mm-hmm. And he built that so much because all these people were trying to escape death and all they did was walk into his clutches. Exactly. And just that that shock value and just, Mm -hmm. oh, it's just, I I love it. Yeah. Love it, love it. Oh, and then being buried alive. Walled in while you're still alive. Many of Poe's stories have that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I read somewhere, I think that uh, Poe may have been afraid of that happening, which back in that time frame, you know, the whole, uh, you know. The Black Death was happening and people were dying, but they weren't. It was like one of the last things of the illness was... Mm -hmm. Most people were mistakenly dead. Yes. But they weren't. It's just that lowered their heart rate and everything. And then 
people didn't know how to check. And, and they, so they were buried alive. Yes. And they that's where the Saved by the Bell comes from, yes. where the bell would be out above the ground with a string a, down into the coffin. And if somebody did wake up, they would ring the bell and they'd be saved by the bell because mm-hmm. then they would dig them, dig them up. Yeah, that's why they had night groundskeepers at the cemetery mm-hmm. with all the bells hanging around on the cemeteries. Because if you heard a bell ringing when the bell tolls, yes, Edgar Allan Poe, when the yes. bell tolls, yes. that means that that person was buried alive. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, they ended up, their last breath was taken in their own coffin. Exactly. So you want to talk about fear? Yes, I think Edgar Allan Poe, he was very much, that was his biggest fear in that mm-hmm. time frame because disease was rampant. Mm-hmm. You know, his mother died of tuberculosis. Yes, and that his, was rampant. Yeah, his uh, wife died of tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think Edgar Allan Poe is so great in the macabre mm-hmm. is because he touches upon our all our unknown fear of death. Yes. Because as many times as we want to say that we are prepared or we know mm-hmm. or, or we feel or we just don't, you know, some people just don't believe in an afterlife at all which is you know fine right right everybody but, has their own beliefs and that's and, and that's perfectly okay absolutely but other people most people always have that fear of the unknown yes and we can't handle that yeah the, mor- the mortality of it all yeah and it, and, a, and it goes back to a control factor when exactly. you think of that and you know taking the you know taking account twilight zone mm-hmm. twilight zone he was so good at building that unknown, mm-hmm. that fear factor, that disgust factor, that mm-hmm. shock value. Yes. Because you never knew what was going to come out of that man's mind. No, absolutely um, not. And he had, I mean, he was one of the writers for the show along with other ones. And uh, there's one episode, and when we do more of an individual mm-hmm. episode, there's an Alfred Hitchcock episode from the TV yes. show that Robert Block wrote Mm -hmm. it's from a short story but he wrote it he put it to the screen and robert block is the one who wrote the book that psycho the movie was made from about ed gein the serial killer so all of this just the macabre is just all these yeah connections (laughs) i mean they they were very smart because they know what works yes they know what works they know how to get in it and one of the things that was recreated in the early black and white movies when they first getting sound Mm -hmm. was frankenstein yes one of the earliest was the 1934 version i can't remember who played in it at the moment because it's been a while yeah, um, well, Boris Karloff. This, yeah, mm-hmm. but I would use that in my theater classes mm-hmm. to teach about how you don't always have to give the, the audience every single thing. Yes. It's all about building the suspense, mm-hmm. building that terror, that fear, that shock, that disgust value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people think Frankenstein is the bad guy. Well, technically, Frankenstein is because Frankenstein was not the monster. Frankenstein was the scientist. Yes. And most people forget that. And the monster has no name. Exactly. He is literally the complete unknown. Mm-hmm. But in essence, he is the fear that everyone carries inside them. Yes. And that's kind of like what Frankenstein was building. Yeah. That, that mad scientist, he was trying to recreate something that wasn't fearful. Yes. And in essence, he created the most feared being of all. Y- yes. You know, and... That's one of the things of those twists that we have to go for. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but as Carmen said, later on when we do individual podcasts, we're going to be more in depth, especially like with Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, Vincent, Vincent Price. Price. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about one of my favorite playwrights was Eugene O'Neill. Mm-hmm. And Eugene O'Neill and Edgar Allan Poe kind of had a lot in common. Yes. But we're going to bring that in when we do more in depth. You yes. Know, right now we're just looking into the six the steps overview, yeah. of his overview. Mm-hmm. And then in later episodes with season two, mm-hmm. we're going to narrow it down even farther. Yes. And so. And we're excited about that. Yes, very much so. But um, we would like to once more bring you into our, our world of Edgar Allan Poe. We have our website. Which is six degrees of poe.com. Po. We have a Twitter. Yes. We got to do the Twitter. <laughs> we haven't got an Instagram yet, but I'm no. working on that. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm actually creating a TikTok yes. and YouTube channel. Yes. And we have Facebook. Six yes. de- everything is six, six degrees of Poe. And we also have an Etsy shop, which we are starting. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have the same items on our website as well. And um, some really exciting news yes. on in uh, Lebanon, Tennessee, on June 4th, mm-hmm. we are going we're going to have a booth at the Rotten Revival Not put on by uh, the Nashville Curiosities group. Mm-hmm. And you can check them out on Facebook as well. Um, but we are going to have a booth there promoting our podcast and also um, selling some items. Um, We have some stickers from our art that we do and some other items that we're working on and we're really excited about it. Yeah, we would love if you happen to be in this area to come out and join us on that day. Yes. Uh, If not, stay tuned on we are going to have a YouTube channel and a Mm -hmm. TikTok and that one is going to be called the Potastic 2. Yes. Because it's going to be more centered to video feeds. Yes. Uh, when we do our Poe Unplugged, our book club mm-hmm. type thing, we are going to video uh, record those and we're going to post those so people can still be a part of it, even if you weren't allowed, not allowed. If you just happen not to be there that night or join. So we just want to make sure that we're getting everybody out, getting you uh, informed of what we're doing. We want to increase your love of Edgar Allan Poe like we have ours. And so please come out, continue listening to our podcasts. Uh, Please look up our websites. We're going to be doing a lot social media. We're just getting a slow start because between life (laughs) and this... Life sometimes doesn't allow us to do a lot of things. Yes, but we we are getting there, and we'll have a lot of more time this summer as well when we have some time off. Yes, that would be a great thing. We're going to do a little traveling, maybe, Mm -hmm. and we may do some podcasts from on-site of places we're going to visit that has Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. It goes with our last uh, episode for the season, Poe Places, Mm -hmm. which that will be next time. Yes, it will. So, And uh, for Poe Unplugged for April, we're going to have to change the date because... Jeannie and I are taking a class with the Citizens Academy. Yes, to learn more about, yes, what all of our um, wonderful sheriffs in the area do. And so uh, we're going to have to move the date in April. And so we will have that announced on all of our social media sites very, very soon, probably by this weekend. Yes, please continue to, you know, tag us. And like, share like us, our page like, and yes, you know, follow, 
all those wonderful keywords. <laughs> yes, like, listen. Like, listen, share. Um, I don't know what else to call them. Yeah, I was what trying to think of they? some other L words for alliteration purposes just to yeah. keep it the poetic theme. Yes. But link. Yes, There's link. There you one. go. Woohoo, I got one. Hey. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because social media is a great advertisement for yes. us. Yes. And we hope you are enjoying our podcast as much as we enjoy it. We yes. try to get you as involved as possible and we want to get you informed. Exactly. Because that's one of the major aspects because that's the teachers in us. Yes. And and also send us an email, six yes. degrees of po at gmail.com. And then we also will have potastic2 at yahoo.com. Yes. If you want to talk just not strictly to Poe, but to us, you can email us there because that's what our YouTube and our TikTok will be under. Yes. Uh, since it's more video feed and we're going to be doing a lot more different things other than just mm-hmm. our podcasts on those. Exactly. Um, and we just, we, we're so glad people are joining us and we hope to share our love and you get excited as we do. Yes. We love Poe and we want to share Poe with mm-hmm. the world. So. Yes. And so... And at the end of that, we will say, We are Poe out. Words have no power to impress the mind without the exquisite horror of their reality.